right, all right. Hey, man, that was awesome. You guys sounded great just now. You guys like you're auditioning for American Idol or something. Give, give yourselves a hand. That was great. It does, it, does something, it does something when everybody's participating, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it, 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 just, it, it takes it to another level when everybody's singing, everybody's worshiping. That's why, uh, that's awesome, man. I, lo- I love that. I love that. Hey, before we jump in, I, I want to mention uh, just a couple of things to you. Really, really two things uh, that maybe you might have missed if you're not on Facebook um, if you're not on Facebook, social media, you don't do anything like that. Uh, something we launched this week, we, uh, our church, and, and I'm the guy behind it, so if you're like, whose who's idea with this? It's my idea. Uh, our church, just to get people active and give even, give even a, a chance to just connect, build more relationships, a lot of people here, so all kinds of environments to get to know people. But one environment that we're doing that I'm behind is, um, is a couch to 5K, okay? So, so moving from a couch to running a 5K, Okay, I'm a runner, and you don't have to be a runner. Uh, other people than runners will go to heaven, but God does love runners more. Amen? That's a joke. Um, but, uh, so, uh, but one thing, we're, we were going to do one of these uh, one th- this summer and just give people a, just really push that. But a really uh, great thing came up this week that we just wanted to get involved with to be a part of. And we've had several people from Summit sign up to that. And so here, here's what it is. Couch to 5K. Here's how this works. You can go to a website that will be on my Facebook page later on. It's already up on Summit's page. You can find it. Uh, but we'll make sure it's all out there today so you can grab a little training program to get you up moving just maybe once or twice a week. And we're going to start to run together. We're, our first run, if you, want, if you want to do this, Saturday, March 30th, 9 o'clock at Perry County Park. So runners of all kinds of different levels. If you just want to walk, you can if you don't, man, I can't run, but I'll crawl. We got well, crawlers are awesome. That's we're into that, okay. Uh, but what's going to happen is it's going to lead to all of us uh, being a part of the Run for Beth, Run Over Cancer 5K on Saturday, May the 10th. All right, awesome thing for us to be a part of. So as many people from our church, let's do this and let's uh, get behind that great cause, okay. Another thing that I wanted to mention to you before we jump in to our series, the Blessed Life, is Easter is a couple of weeks. Can you believe that, man? Easter is just a few weeks away. It's crazy. And if you're new to church world, um, if you like churches, you know, you, this whole church thing is new to you. Here, here, here's what Easter is in church world, okay? Easter in church world is kind of like March Madness, the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals, uh, Daytona 500, and WrestleMania all wrapped into one. It's a big day. And uh, it's a big day for Summit. And uh, last year we had over a thousand people here. We're, we're doing some big things that were uh, to build up to Easter. Easter is April the twentieth. We're going to have two services: a nine fifteen and an eleven fifteen. We're going to give some more info out, but we're just dropping that so that you'll know it right now. Two services on April the twentieth, Easter Sunday, nine fifteen and. 11.15. Again, we'll give you more information uh, in the weeks ahead. That's all you need to know for right now. But today, we are in part three of the blessed life. We're in part three of the blessed life, and I want to ask you a question today. And uh, you guys just answer this by raising your hand. How many of you, in some way, shape, or form, you are, a, you are on social media in some way, shape, or form? Would you raise your hand just really quick? It doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter what, but in some way, shape, or form. Okay, a whole lot. Of people, Some people didn't raise their hand, but a lot of people, most people did. And listen, whether or not you're a part of social media, uh, whether you're on it or not, wouldn't we all agree social media has changed everything, hadn't it? It, it just has. I mean, I mean, years ago, don't you remember, there was a time in your life when you would eat a meal and not think, I should take a picture of that so everyone else can see what I'm about to Do you remember those days? Right? Or, or we're out places and we check in. I mean, we encourage people to do that at church. Check in on Facebook. You know, it gets people out there. It gets, you know, people talking about our church. It's changed everything, including relationships. 
including relationships. In fact, there, there are dictionaries out there right now, and more dictionaries are behind this phrase. It's a phrase that maybe you've heard, but you can actually look it up in some dictionaries, the phrase Facebook official. Does anybody know what that means? Facebook official. See, see, social media has impacted all kinds of stuff, including relationships, so that you know when a relationship is serious when somebody puts it up on Facebook. You know what I mean? When somebody updates their relationship status, it becomes Facebook official. And, and I, lo- I love watching people's reaction when other people put up their, their relationship status, when they change it, when a relationship becomes Facebook official. Because when somebody all of a sudden changes their relationship status and all of a sudden it says so-and-so in a relationship, then every one of their friends, people leave comments, oh, congratulations, you guys are so cute together, right? Then a couple of days later, it changes to single, you know? Somebody puts up, girl, he wouldn't write for you, no way, you know? The best relationship status, here's my favorite, the best relationship status is, it's complicated. (laughs) Because, Because it's complicated, it isn't single, at least we don't think it is, it isn't single, and it's also not in a relationship, it's It's complicated. And you know, today, if you and I, if we had to update our relationship status when it comes to stuff and money, we would probably have to put our relationship status as, it's complicated. It's complicated. And so, what we're doing today, today we are in part three of our series, The Blessed Life. And just to kind of give us a recap, if today's your first day, you haven't heard anything else that we've done in this series, what we're doing in this series, our series flows out of this verse right here. So this is Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says this, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. Let's all read this next part together. Let's all read this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so the blessed life, according to Jesus, is a life that's positioned to give more than receive. And so what we did the first week is we talked about the pathway to the blessed life. How can you and I get there, in other words? And what we saw that day was that eternity is longer than we think it is, and life is shorter than we think it is. We talked about the dot and the line. Remember that? And a lot of people live for the dot, but the problem with that is that life is really short. Most of us think we have longer than we really do, and eternity is long. And so if we want to be on the pathway to the blessed life, we need to realize, wait a second, I need to stop just living for the dot. I need to live for the line. I need to start to live for eternity. And then last week, we talked about how to position ourselves for the blessed life. And what we saw last week is that we've been blessed by God, and it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where we are, we've been blessed by God to bless Others, we've been blessed to bless others. Well, today, we're going to talk about the problem along the way to the blessed life. We're going to talk about the problem on the way to living the blessed life. Because, hey, let's be honest for a second. Maybe it's just me. Maybe all of you have your acts together, but maybe not. Um, that, that whole idea of it's more blessed to give than to receive, that whole idea of we've been blessed to bless others, that doesn't come naturally for us, does it? That's hard, isn't it? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. That's really 
hard. And so what is it that's in the way that keeps us from experiencing the blessed life? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, we're going to talk about the problem that's in the way of us experiencing the blessed life. And so every week what we've done in this series is just kind of give you a phrase, just to kind of make it memorable, crystallize a little bit. Oh, that's what we talked about. That's, that's what we said during that week of the series. Well, here's our phrase today. And our phrase today is just simply this. I need to change my status. Can we all say that together really loud? I need to change my status. When it comes to my status with money and stuff, with things in my life, odds are our status is, if we're honest today, it's complicated, and Jesus wants us to change our status. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn it on, open it up, whatever you need to do, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. So go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do, Matthew 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. Just snuggle up person next to you, take that relationship next level. If they've got something, if not, don't worry about it because the words are going to be on the screen behind me in just a moment. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 19 through 24. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And it says this. This is Jesus. And he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And watch the last verse. Here's the last verse, verse 24. Look at what he says here. No one, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can not. He, he, doesn't say, he doesn't say you might be able to. He doesn't say this will be sort of difficult. Some of your Bibles in front of you are on your phone or your mobile device that says this. It's impossible to serve God in money. But here's what he says. You can not. We'll unpack it in a minute. Serve God in money. See, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, what we just read, comes in the middle of the longest sermon that we've got from Jesus in the Bible. And it's called the Sermon on the mount. And so Jesus is talking to a really large crowd of people, probably, uh, probably even 10 times the size of the crowd that's here today. And what Jesus is talking about is a subject known as the kingdom of God. Jesus, from the, moment that Je from the moment that he started his ministry, he was always talking about the kingdom of God. And what the kingdom of God is, if you're like, hey man, what in the world does that mean? What the kingdom of God means is when Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't just want to be a, an assistant on the side. He, just doesn't, he doesn't want to have some peripheral role in our lives. Jesus moves into everyone's life, and what he wants to move, what he wants to build in your life, rather, is he wants to build a kingdom. Because Jesus is a king, and kings have a kingdom. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And what happens in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is this whole sermon, Jesus gives some of the most practical, practical passages we've got in the entire Bible. And what he does is he shows us how when he comes into our lives, the kingdom of God, it gives us a paradigm shift 
for how we think about certain things. It changes the way we treat and act and deal with a lot of things in life. So in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus will talk about anger. Jesus will talk about lust. He'll talk about sex. We talked about that last, uh, in our last series, the Love Handle series. Jesus will talk about forgiveness in this sermon. And he also talks about money. Because when Jesus talks about money and what we just read, what he wants us to understand is that we have a complicated relationship with stuff. We, we've got a complicated relationship when it comes to money, possessions, treasures, stuff. Things in our lives, if we're honest, the status is it's complicated. And the reason it's complicated is because there's all kinds of different relationships we can have with those kind of things. Let me just give you three examples, three really quick examples of relationships that we can have with stuff or money. Here's might be where some of you are. Stuff or money makes me happy. That's a relationship we can have. Stuff or money makes me happy. Now listen, should you enjoy all the things that God's brought into your life? And should you have fun in this life? Absolutely. You should enjoy everything God's brought into your life. You should take a vacation if you can afford it. You should enjoy everything that God's brought into your life. But here's the problem for too many people. Our emotional well-being is wrapped up in our stuff. Our our emotional well-being is wrapped up in money. Let's see if this is you or not. Let's Let's see where we fall on this spectrum. Let me ask you a question, and you answer this for you. You don't have to do anything. You do this one in your head, okay? But answer this one honestly, just you in your head, fill in this blank. I'll be happy when I get blank. What is that for you? I'll be happy when I get fill in the blank. What did you put in the blank? Now, I know we're at church, and the blank is supposed to say, Jesus, brother, just give me more of the Lord, hallelujah. But be honest. I'll be happier if I got a boat. I'll be happier if I get that promotion. I'll be happier if I drove that car. I'll be happier when I get this, or I'll be happy when I get this. If you give me the blank, whatever the blank is for you, if you give me that, then man, I am living. But if I don't have that, life's not worth living. That's a complicated relationship with our stuff when stuff makes us happy at that level, but that's where some of us are. Some of us aren't there, though. Maybe this defines the relationship that we have with those kind of things. Money or stuff makes me safe. My stuff makes me safe. My money makes me feel safe. So our security is in how much we have in the bank. Our security is the fact that we're saving up really well for retirement. We're going to be able to sustain the standard of living that we've known all these years. Our security is in the return that we're getting from our investments. Our security is in what's in the bank at night. And I can sleep good because I've got that amount. But if it goes below that amount, all of a sudden I'm up up a little bit. All of a sudden I'm losing sleep, or my security is in my employer because of the benefits that I get from that job. Not my security is in the God who provides, but my employer. That's a complicated relationship. Give you, give you one more example. One more example. See, money might make us happy. Stuff might make us feel secure. Here's another one. Stuff or money makes me feel significant. Makes me feel significant. I am this job. I I am the car that I drive. I am my reputation. I am the fact that I live in this neighborhood. I am this lifestyle. And if you take that from me, if I lose that, I don't want to live. 
my significance, my identity, who I am, it is wrapped up in those things. And see, the Bible has a, one, has a word, one word. The Bible has a word that sums up all those kind of relationships. And it's the word idol. I-D-O-L. It's the word idol. Now, you can walk into people's homes today, and they might not have some shrine with all kinds of statues, but trust me, listen, idol worship is alive and well today. Worshiping things other than God is alive and well today. In fact, let me give you a definition of what an idol is. An idol is anything bigger than God in my life. Anything bigger than God in my life is an idol that I worship instead of God. See, inside of me, inside of you, there's a throne in our hearts, and God's made all of us to be worshipers, so I'm either going to worship God or I'm going to worship something other than God. And even Christians, man, when we give our lives to Jesus, there's this inward struggle of keeping God on the throne instead of putting something else on the throne where he belongs. And we can do this with anything. We, we, can, we can do this with anything. We're, we're outside of the realm of money and stuff. We can do this for kids. We can do this to popularity. We can do this to our athletic ability. We can do this to our health. There's no limit. John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory, meaning there's no limit for the stuff that I could worship other than God. Anything bigger than God in my life is an idol. And see, the problem that gets in the way a lot of times from you and I experiencing the blessed life is that we worship stuff instead of God. It's that we live for money. I find my security in stuff and money rather than God. So what you and I need to do today, if we're going to get over this problem, we're going to get over the hump and experience the blessed life, then what we need to do is we need to change the status of our relationship when it comes to money and stuff's role in my life. We need to destroy the idols in our lives. And if we're going to do that, we need to do three things. Jesus gives us three things that you and I can do starting today so that we can get over what's blocking us from experiencing the blessed life and change the status. Three things. First thing we need to do if we want to change the status and put God on the throne of our hearts rather than money, we need to lay up. We need to lay up. Say, that makes no sense, Mark. I know. Let's read verses 19 through 21 again. Look at what he says here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. See, there's our phrase, lay up. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch verse 21. Verse 21 is so big. Watch this. For where your treasure is, there your what? heart will be also. Oh man, this stings a little bit. This really, it actually doesn't sting a little bit. It stings a lot, but here's what Jesus means when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what he means. Here's what he means. My heart and my resources are connected. My heart and my stuff, my money is connected. The number one competitor when it comes to pushing God off the throne is stuff. God's biggest competitor when it comes to what I worship is money. In fact, Jesus is even saying this. If you want to know where my heart is, watch where my resources go. I heard somebody say it like this. You want to know what I worship? Look at my checkbook. I don't know if anybody uses a checkbook anymore, but back in the 80s we did, right? We were also wearing shoulder pads, and well, ladies were, men weren't, um, right? 
but my heart follows my stuff. I worship where my money goes. This is why, this is why Jesus talks about money more than any other subject in the Bible. There are more verses in the, in the Bible about money than there are faith, hope, and prayer combined. More verses about money. From Genesis to Revelation, there is this constant thread. There's this constant talk about money. Hey, you know why some of you are ticked off right now just because I'm talking about money in church? Because it's connected to our hearts. And see, this is a strategy. Jesus is not saying, hey, don't invest, don't save, don't buy things, don't enjoy life. No, listen, listen, listen. Jesus is not saying that at all. When Jesus says, don't lay up treasures here where moth and rust destroy, he doesn't mean don't save because, listen, you should save. You should invest. But here's what Jesus is saying. When you're saving and planning for retirement, you need to remember eternity is longer than retirement. There's a line after the dot, and nobody takes it with them. And so Jesus says, listen, listen, there's nothing wrong with having stuff here. There's nothing wrong with enjoying this. You should save, and you should invest. But don't save and invest everything here because you'll lose it. Don't lay up everything here because you'll lose it. Instead, what you need to do, you and I, what we need to do is we need to lay up what God gives us where we'll never use it in eternity. See, this is why giving matters. This is why, this is why tithing matters. And I know we talked about it last week, but I just want to be really clear because here we are, a lot of us are brand new to church. We're new to all these ideas. Maybe you're, maybe you're used to the topic of tithing and you know exactly what it means. Some of us are not. When it comes to giving and what God says about stuff and money, this is all new to us. And so I just want to be really clear right here out of the gate first thing this morning about what God says when it comes to our stuff. I think we've got Malachi chapter 3, 10 on the screen here. Watch this. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Watch this. Watch this. God doesn't say this about anything else, but watch this. And thereby put me to the test. In other words, try this out. Try out what I am talking about right now. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not. Open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more needed. So that word tithe, or when the the Bible talks about giving, when when it uses the word tithing, the principle of the tithe is simply this, that God has given us everything that you and I have. Will anybody amen that? Everything we have comes from God. Now, we've worked hard, and a lot of the opportunities, man, those doors have opened up. You, you got scholarships for those opportunities. You climbed the corporate ladder. But at the end of the day, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that even the air we breathe comes from God. So, yeah, you worked hard, and praise God that you worked hard. But make no mistake about it, every opportunity comes from where? God. Good job. You guys win the car. All right. So everything we have comes from God. And here's what God says. I want you to give back a portion of what I've given to you as an act of worship. Did you know that God could have said, I want you to give me back 90% and you keep 10? <laughs> he's God. No, he can't. Yeah, he's God, bro. God can do pretty much. God rolls how he wants to roll. But here's what God says. I want you to give back to me the first 10% as an act of worship and to say, God, I trust you with the rest. God, I am trusting you with the rest of this. God, my security is in you, not and so, so the first, 10%. So 10% of what God's given to us. So, so math class, 
Math class begins right now. I'm glad you're here. So I want some interaction with the crowd here today. You tell me 10%. I want you to yell it out at me. Don't whisper it to your neighbor or anything like that. I want you to yell it out to me. 10% of 100 is what? 10. Some of you are really confused and you don't know. You just passed out because it just got real hard. Wow. Um, 10. 10. The answer. Here we go. Here we go. 10% of 60 is what? Six. Look at there. You guys are geniuses. 10% of 50 is what? Five. And God says, here, I am blessing you. Give back a portion to me. When God says give back a portion, is God being mean or is God being generous? He's being generous. Why? Because all of it ultimately belongs to who? Him. You see that? He's being generous because ultimately, at the end of the day, it belongs to him. What God's done is God's given us everything that we have so that we can steward it, we can manage it for his glory. I still, I, I don't know if I'm being clear yet, so I want to show you what this looks like. Will my lovely volunteer please come right now? I've got a lovely volunteer uh, that I've already prepped and ready to go. Let's give it up for my lovely volunteer. Here he comes. Now I have, I've never brought up a volunteer on stage, okay? So, uh, so if this goes bad, I'll never do this again. It's all your fault. Okay, so, uh, so here, are, we, are we on? Here we go. There's your microphone right there. Go ahead and grab that mic. Now give everybody your name. Dagan Combs. Day- Woo! Dagan Combs! <laughs> Dagan, before we get into the illustration, what happens tonight at 6? What's tonight at 6? Uh, summit Storm. Storm. These kids. Is it the greatest thing since sliced bread? Yes. Absolutely. Does it rock your face off? Yes. Should every middle schooler and high schooler come? Yes. Will they miss out if they don't come? Yes. Will they live a life of constant regret and shame if they don't come? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, good job, good job, good job. Now, here's why I brought you up here, bro. Because I'm, talk, I'm talking about how God's generous to us. And, 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 and now, now help everybody. You have no idea what I'm about to do, do you? No. He's like, no. Yeah, he took a step back. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't give you any hint. I just said, hey, man, I need you to come up here, right? Dagan, I want to give you $50. Everybody's like, wow, when he asks for volunteers in a sermon, say yes. <laughs> really, it's 50 bucks. One, two, three, four, five, five, there's 10, then 10, 20, 30, 20, 50. That's yours. 50 bucks. I love my church. Isn't that what you're thinking right now? Man, this is just the best church ever. Now, God gives us everything, so ultimately, so ultimately, that's whose? Ultimately, that's whose? It's God's. It's God's. So here's what God says. God says, give me back 10%. So, so here's what I want. Uh, let me see. Let me see that. Uh, so here we go. He's got, he's got 20s. He's got some 10s. He's got some 1s. So God says, uh, Dagan, I want you to hold that for me just like that right there. God says, Dagan, I want you to give me back uh, 10% of that. Okay, so, uh, so I'm going to take uh, $3. Is that 10%? No, so that's not tithing. See that? It's not tithing. So, 10% of 50 is what? It's five. So give me back 10%. Okay, that's five. Now that's yours, and I'm really going to let you keep it. I'm not going to corner you after church and say, give me 45 bucks back. That's really your money. Isn't that awesome? That's really yours. I'm going to let you have $45. But before you go, before you go, um, do you think it was mean that I asked for 10% back, or was it incredibly generous that now you've got $45 you didn't have a second ago? Incredibly generous. There you go. Give it up for my volunteer. Awesome. See, if I ask you to come up on stage, I might be, I might be carrying some cash. So there you go. All right? So why, why did I do that? Because I want, I want it to be really clear. Oh, wait, that's what God does for me every day. 
You know, I've said this before, and then I'm moving on to point number two. If we can learn to trust God with our money, we can learn to trust God with anything. Amen? Amen. We can learn, if, if, we can, if we can trust God here, there's no limit to where I can trust God. And so Jesus says, hey, you want to change the status first thing? You need to lay up. Invest in eternity. How's that happen? Happens every week when we give. Happens every week when we give. If you're not there, I encourage you, take that step in that direction. Lay up. But the second thing, we need to look up. Not only if we're going to change the status, we need to lay up, but we also need to look up. You know, I didn't know if you, I don't know if you knew this or not, but did you know it is a nationwide epidemic of people walking and texting at the same time and getting injured because they run into things? Did you know that? Did you know that? I mean, you can look it up, you can look it up on YouTube. There, are, there have been people who have fallen into mall fountains from texting. There have been people who have literally fallen into manholes in cities texting. They're just walking around, and whoo, there they go. It's insane, people. People have bumped into, into, into metal poles, into trees, into glass doors. Has anybody almost ever done this? I have. My hand is up, okay? I've almost walked into traffic, and there was a time when my, my wife said, stop. Don't do that, okay, right? Because here we are. We're just going and we're texting and we're in our own world and we're not looking up about the world that's around us. We're in our own world. Jesus gives some really weird verses in 22 and 23. Really weird verses in verses 22 and 23 because he starts talking about the eyes, the lamp of the body and, 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 and all this stuff. What in the world does that even mean? I, I want to show it to you here on, from, a, from a translation of the Bible called The Message. Look here on the screen here. This is from the message. Watch this. It says, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open up your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you'll have. See, Jesus, Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. And he's talking about lamps, and he's talking about windows. And we read that, and we think, what in the world does that mean? That doesn't make any sense. Have you ever been in a room where all the lights are off? Anybody? And you don't know what's going on around you, right? And, and this is me. Like when, like when the lights are off and you can't see around you, like this is all I'm doing. Right? I'm just feeling, man. I'm just, because I don't know what's around me. I just know where I am. I just know what's going on with me. But then you turn a light on, and there's a world around you that you didn't know about. There's a room that you're in. You can see everything. Same thing in your house. You keep the blinds shut. You keep the curtains closed. You can see what's going on in your world. But you open up the curtains, what do you see? You see the world. You see the world around you. And what Jesus says when, when he's talking about the eye is the lamp of the body, he's still talking about stuff that goes on in us. He's just talked about our hearts. Now he's talking about what's going on inside of us. And here's the point that Jesus is making. Some people are so caught up in themselves, they miss the fact that there is a really big world around them with really big needs. We're, we're so caught up in ourselves and worried about our own lives and everything that we have ultimately comes back on us and we spend it all on us. We spend it all on our families. And Jesus is saying, you need to look up and you need to realize there is a world around you that has filled with needs and we've been blessed by God to bless others and to meet those needs. 
I don't know if you knew this or not, but we say this all the time here at Summit. Did you know that within an hour's drive in every direction of this building right now, there are 575,144 people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Today, that's true. Today, that's true. Did you know that in Perry County alone, 80% of Perry County does not have a relationship with Jesus and is not associated with the church in any way, shape, or form? 80% of Perry County. Why does that matter? Here's why that matters. Because life is short, eternity is long, hell is real, heaven is real, and we believe Jesus is the hope for Hazard and Eastern Kentucky and the world. That's why it matters. There's a world around us with needs. Did you know, and this is a true statistic, did you know there is more? there are portions of eastern Kentucky where there is more lost people, there are more lost people than there are in portions of Africa? We don't think that's true. There's a church on every single corner. There's a dollar store, and then there's a Chinese restaurant, and a pharmacy, and a church all over eastern Kentucky, right? Amen. Was that too much? Sorry, can't take it back. And they're just everywhere. So we think this, everybody must be saved. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody is okay. That's not true. Most people didn't wake up at all today thinking about going to church. Most people were on a completely different page than a lot of us were today. There's a world with big needs out there. The average age for first-time drug use in eastern Kentucky is 11 years old. My daughter just turned nine this week. 11 years old. Did you know that there are 27 million people in the world right now who are, who are, tra- who are trapped in the slave trade industry? 27 million people in the world right now. And most of those are in the sex trade industry. What that means is they've been kidnapped out of the life that they're living, and now they've been put into a life of forced prostitution. And 8 out of 10 of those are children. 8 out of 10 of those 27 million are forced children who've been ripped out of playing t-ball, ripped out of playing soccer, ripped out of their parents' homes, and now they're forced into prostitution. Oh, well, that's happening in other parts of the world. That's in a place I'll never go. Did you know that the 14th largest city when it comes to slave trading and kids in prostitution in America is Atlanta? So while we're watching the news and we're hoping the cats win and we're enjoying the SEC tournament, there is a story you're not hearing about, and it's that Atlanta, just a few hours' drive from where we're at, is one of the largest hubs for kids in forced prostitution in America. You say, oh, well, you know what, man? That's there. It's not here. We've got big needs here. That's in other parts of the world. We need to focus on where we're at right now. Listen, Jesus doesn't say, go, to, go simply to where you live and make disciples. Where does Jesus say? Go to all the what? Go to all the world. We've been given a worldwide mission from a worldwide Savior. There is a world with big needs out there, and the thing that's going to meet those needs, listen, some, we've been looking to Washington for too long to do what the church is meant to do. The government is not the light of the world and the, and the city on a hill. The church is the light of the world and a city on a hill. Jesus is looking at us saying, when are you going to do something? There's, there's, a, there's a world with big needs. We need to lay up. We need to look up and realize, oh wait, there's needs, and I've been blessed to bless. But not only that, we need to live up. We need to lay up. We need to look up. We need to live up. See, see everything we're talking about today is worship. Everything we're talking about today is worship. You know what worship means? Worship 
means giving worth to something. To, to worship something means to give it worth. You ascribe value to it. And you know, one of the things when it comes to the Bible that I hear all the time is, Mark, I don't read the Bible because it's really hard to understand, not verse 24. Verse 24 couldn't be clear. Here's what Jesus says again. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship God and money. You can worship money, but you can't worship God and money. You can worship God, but you can't worship money and God. Out of everything that he, said, that he could have said, he said, we can't worship God and money. And I want you to see that this whole sermon today, the problem in the way to the blessed life, if you and I want to step over the hurdle, if you and I want to experience it, it comes down to simply putting God first. It comes down to putting God first in our time, in our talent, and in our treasure. But if we're honest, a lot of us, what we've been given to God is leftovers, not first. Leftovers. And listen, listen, listen. I'm not insulting anybody's cooking. Like, your leftovers might be, you know, Food Network quality awesome. But here's what I know about every single one of us in the room. There isn't a person in this room right now that's ever went to a restaurant, looked at the waiter or waitress, and said, hey, man, you got any leftovers? Got anything you threw in the fridge from last night? Throw it in the microwave 15 seconds. I'm good. You've never done that. You wanted it fresh. You wanted it off the grill. Leftovers are fine, but we don't serve a God of leftovers. We serve a God of firsts, and God is worthy of all of our time, worthy of all of our talent, and worthy of all of our treasure. He's not a God of leftovers. And so, and so to, close, to close, what would it look like for you to make that decision to put God first? What would it look like for you to do that? Hey, maybe for some of you to make that decision to put God first, it means, you know what, we're going to begin to give. I, I, I don't know if we can do 10% right now, but we're going to take a step in that direction. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. Hey, maybe what it looks like for you, you need to come to the budgeting event. Tonight, 6 o'clock, tonight, 6 o'clock, right here at the forum, you need to come to the budgeting event because let's just be honest, it stinks to worry about money. Would anybody amen that? It is awful. Worrying about money. Why are we doing that event? Because we don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. And man, we want you to experience the freedom of living the blessed life. Maybe you need to be a part of that. The budgeting event. It's right here tonight at 6. Completely free. Maybe all of a sudden putting God first with your time means, you know what? I need to serve. Maybe putting God first will mean for all of us probably the same thing of waking up every single day and saying, God, I want you to be first in my mind, first in my words, first in in my actions. Because listen, putting God first isn't a decision you make one and done. It's a decision that you make every day, all day. God, I want to put you first at school. I want to put you first in the meeting. God, I want to put you first here. Some of you, what that will look like to put God first, it means today you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time. See, church attendance doesn't save you Stopping, stop cussing doesn't save you. Cleaning up doesn't save you. Jesus saves, period. Jesus saves, that's it. And right now where you're at, no matter where you're at, no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done, you are loved by God. 
And he wants a relationship with you today. And the Bible says in, chap- in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that right there in your seat today, you can cry out to God in prayer. You can ask Jesus to come into your life, save you, forgive you, and he promises to do it. The blessed life starts right there. And today, maybe that's where it starts for you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, we've put a lot on the table this morning. We've put a lot on the table. And it all comes down to putting you first. It all comes down to making the daily, constant decision. Jesus, you first. Jesus, you on the throne of my heart. Not that relationship. Not money. Not my employer. Thank God for all those things, maybe. But Jesus, you on the throne. You are my provider. You're the Savior. You're in control of the universe. No one deserves to be on the throne of our hearts but you. And so Jesus, right now, we come to you. And God, I pray for every person here. Maybe there's Christians here today. That's the decision they need to renew or they need to make for the first time because they realize, God, they've got a relationship with you, but they've just been given leftovers. When you're a God of firsts, Or there might be somebody here today and they're not saved and they need to begin a relationship with you. And Jesus, I pray that today you give them the courage to make that decision. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I believe that God is speaking in this room today. And I believe that God is speaking to you. Let me talk to all the Christians who are here in the room today. Let me ask you a question. You're here, you're a Christian, you've got a relationship with Jesus. How many of you though today would say, Mark, today God is speaking to me, and Mark, I want God to be first in my life. I want, to, I want God to be first in my life. If that's where you're at today, if that's the decision you want to make today of putting God first, raise your hand right now. Mark, there's some areas where I don't feel like I've been putting him first and I want to put him first. Hands all up right here in the middle, right here on the side. Tons of hands right over here to my left. A lot of hands up to the right in the back. Anybody else? I want to make the decision to put God first. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over the room. I want to challenge you to make a move right now. I don't know what that looks like for you, but here's what I know. God doesn't want you to go through that alone. If you just raised your hand... Would you just get up out of your seat right now and make your way to the back of the auditorium? There are people that want to pray with you, encourage you. They're not judging you. They're where where you are. But Jesus says there is strength in numbers. There's strength in going to another Christian and saying, man, I just need some prayer today. So if you just raised your hand, I want you to get up out of your seat and go to the back right now. Just go. Just go. You go right now. You just go right now. People are going. Oh, man, don't get to the car and think I wish I would have when you could do it right here. People are People are moving. I wonder if you need to be a part of that. You just get up and go. God, I want to put you first today. Why don't you get up and go to the back and pray with somebody about that. Let's, Let's put some feet on what God is doing in your heart today. But some of you might be there in your seat and you're thinking, you know what, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I need to become a Christian today. And I want to say to you that Jesus died for all of your sins. Everything in your past and everything in your present. There is no past in this room that is so great. There is no decision in this room that's so horrible that Jesus Christ could not come into your life right now and give you a new past and a new present and a new future. 
you're in that seat and you're thinking, man, I feel so far away from God. And I want to say to you, you've never been closer than you are right now. Never. And if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer. And these aren't magic words. But if you want to begin that relationship with Jesus, then I'm inviting you right there in your seat to pray between you and God and to ask Jesus to come into your life so that he can get on the throne of your heart so that you can follow him. Not perfectly, and he knows that. But from here, starting today, for the rest of your life, you want to live for him. You're done living for yourself. You're done trying to figure this out on your own. And today, you're giving him your life. If you're making that decision today, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, today I give my life to you. Today I want to start a relationship with you. Today I need to be saved. Come into my life. Forgive me for all my sin and make me new. And thank you that you can do that. Help me to live for you to the best that I can from this moment forward. In your name, Jesus. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, did you just pray that prayer? Because if you did, this is the biggest moment. You've made the biggest decision of your life, and we want to celebrate that decision with you. In fact, I'm going to count to three, and if there is anybody in the room today that's saying, today I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, as soon as I say three, I want you to shoot your hand high up into the air so that we can celebrate with you today. One, two, three. Raise it right now if that's you, if you're making that decision. And if you are making that decision, I want you to look at me right now. If you are making the decision to give Jesus your life today for the very first time, look at me. The connection card that we gave you when you walked in, I want you to take that card, and I want you to check on the back of that card that you gave your life to Christ. Go ahead and check that box. You can do it right now. You can do it in a moment. But when you leave in just a second, I want you to give that card to somebody that's going to be at those doors as you leave. They're going to have a Bible for you, and a green book called Seek First. Because you just made the biggest decision of your life. You didn't end something, you started something today. And we want to help you and come alongside of you and encourage you in that. Hey, you might be here today and you've got a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying you need to take the next step of baptism. Check that box on the back of your card today. Let's take that next step. Let's do what God is telling you to do. God, today... We put you first. That's our prayer. God, we want to put you first today. And the devil's going to try to fight with us this afternoon. He's going to try to fight with us tomorrow and, and for the rest of our lives. So Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit that lives in us, who is stronger than the one that's in the world, would help us to make the daily decision to put you first. In your name, Jesus, amen. Summit, let's thank God today that we've got a God of first and that God has moved today. Man, it was awesome to see so many people move today and say they want to put God first. Hey, listen, any decision that you made today, let us know that on the back of your card. If you're a first returning guest today, check those boxes and visit those tables out there in the lobby to your right. Just drop that card off. want a record of you being with us today. Next week, we are wrapping up the series, The Blessed Life. It's going to be a great day, going to be a big day. Bring somebody with you. Love you guys. You're dismissed. See you next week.
inside you There has never been anyone, anything like you Nobody beside you There has never been anyone, anything like you Nobody beside you There has never been anyone, anything like you 